0: Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry and today I want to talk with you about imagery. Okay, I want to tell you how this whole topic of imagery has surfaced in my life and I want to give you some uh, reasons why I think it's important for us and some things that we should keep in mind. Okay, so you guys, I am reading Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with my class. Now, you can say, wait a minute, I thought you taught ninth grade at Promise kids, and I'm like, of course, and don't you know how advanced that vocabulary is, and with it being published in the 1800s, how dare you, yes, exactly, and the kids are loving it, and I'm going to tell you how I know. First, you know, I convinced them this is one of my top favorite books of all time, so you must love it too. (laughs) Do you trust me by now? And of course, they're all screaming, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, And I have really given them excellent short story pieces to build them up, mystery, tension, and suspense. I do that on a purpose, get them hooked in looking for the patterns, looking for the foreshadowing, so that way when we're reading now, Dr. Jekyll it's kind of starting those same strategies that I've been using have been falling in line. Well, there's so much that you can teach with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's such a great teaching book. And if you haven't read it, you really need to. You also need to see the story behind how his wife burned it in the fire. And then he had to recraft the whole entire story by hand and it took him three days to write the first one, and it took him three days to write the next one. And I will tell you right now, that's why when people raise their eyebrows at me and they question me over the summertime, how can you you know, sit and write a book in 14 days? How can you sit and write a book in that quick of a time, in that turnaround? And I'll just say, oh, Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde, that's what I'm going to do from now. <laughs> um, but I am not saying that I am a Robert Louis Stevenson, okay? That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying the style, the, the way that, how fast he produced, you know, that prolific writing. Okay, so I digress. I just want you to look that up. But while we're reading the book yesterday, we read chapter one, and at the end, I have taught them something called a draw strategy, because young adults... They love to doodle, no matter if they're artists or not. They will tell you, I don't draw. They love this strategy, every single one of them. My artist, down to my students who say at the very beginning of the year, ooh, no, I'm not a drawer at all, and so we draw stick people. Now, I do have elaborate graphic artists in my room who draws detailed sketches, which is amazing, which we could publish probably. But other than her, really, the rest of them are doing exactly like I'm doing on the board stick figure, you know, stick figure drawings, representations, symbolic representations of what's happening. And I'm going to tell you that that is truly unlocking the student's comprehension. So, yesterday we read chapter one, and there were so many little nuggets in there. You know, just the literary devices are all over the place, mystery, tension, and suspense the dialogue is, you know, crisp, and then we get to the end of the chapter, and I'm like, okay, now think about these imagery paragraphs. Let's really point them out, and what makes a paragraph with imagery super, super interesting, and so we started listing out what Robert Louis Stevenson was doing. Now, if you've not read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I want you to just get it for this research experiment that I'm asking you to do. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Experiment. Okay, so what you're going to do is you can go to the Gutenberg Library online, and that's how I've taught my students where half of them, some of them, well, one kid didn't like the way the pages felt, and he asked me could he have a modification, so of course I'm getting him an iPad. Another kid wants the audio version, so we're looking that up on YouTube. Um, And so then I had five iPads I didn't have enough and some of them had their phones some of them wanted the book Um, and so you've got different ways that you can you know find this find this book online but the Gutenberg library has it and that's the one that I use it's very easy to navigate and Go to just chapter one. If you don't want to read the whole book and you say, I don't have time to read anything else, Jennifer, just do this exercise for me. So that's what I'm going to call it a writing exercise, <laughs> a reader exercise. So maybe that way you guys will not feel too bad that I'm asking you to do one more thing and you'll say, Well, it's good for the calls. So I want you to go through and I want you to see especially the chapter of the Joggernaut. I mean, the paragraph of the Juggernaut. Just look for that. Um, the kids got all hooked when they saw that word because they already had a mental picture, some of them did, of the X-Men character. And so they all started talking, oh, I would know what this Mr. Hyde would look like now. And then it was, well, what does his voice sound like? And we tried to mimic that sound. What would be, you know, other characteristics of him what would be you know and so there's a paragraph and continued paragraphs that set the scene up and you can hear you know something in there you can hear it and so it wakes the neighborhood it's that loud you know, and the feeling is that palpable, like, you can start to feel the tension, you can start to feel the emotional response, the anger, and the how dare they, and who is this person, and so you already start it very quickly in the book, and that's why I love the way Robert Louis Stevenson writes, it's like, he doesn't wait to chapter nine to get to a part where, you know, you have to be introduced, and there's another pattern I want you to check out when now this is what I've noticed I can be completely wrong and I know I'm not hundred percent at this but because I'm a teacher I'm always analyzing text and I'm always trying to you know see the patterns because if I can break down the patterns I can help students unlock an entry door because that's what my job is, is for them to be able to unlock and receive access to more complex text. So, you know, if an author doesn't start with setting, if they don't start with a quick dialogue or a description of something or, you know, characterization right away, you know, they need to learn that if the author is doing that one thing, that that's maybe a strength that the author has and that's how they see their world that's how they see their book and so you're gonna maybe have a lot more of that type of style and so we talk about style and word choice a lot at the very beginnings of the first paragraphs of any book because i believe that that can help students like understand more about the author's preferences and just the way that they are going to approach the text and it's the same way with dr jekyll You'll notice how strong Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde lends itself to the very first chapter. And so we talked about that yesterday, and I put the four access points down of what I've noticed. Now, this isn't something that I've got a research article to back this up, and I've not ran any books through programs or anything. This is just after my reading experience, what I noticed. Um, So, we do these metacognitive conversations. So, that would be something good for you to do. Just say what I've noticed about how the author starts off, you know, and how their imagery is being built from the very beginning will give you a lot of clues of how the rest of the book is going to be. Um, But, once they have identified that, then we talk about, well, if they're really heavy, situation then they're going to be very dependent upon the plot if they're very heavy on description you're going to see a lot of long paragraphs just to describe the world or the scene if they're very heavy on characterization at the beginning they're really wanting you to hook in that's going to be the main hook for you is to really pay attention to these characters sure everything else is important okay I'm back I had another coach call me and we were discussing business Okay, so the imagery that I would like for you to do for this writing exercise is to go through Chapter 1 of the Robert Louis Stevenson book, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and find where you can identify strong images that can actually recreate the scene in your head as if you are watching a movie. Now, I pull up pictures to go along with our reading. So when it says the door, I show them, you know, pictures that would go along with that. I show them who Utterson could look like, who Enfield could look like, and we put pictures up on the board and we draw around them. I also do a technique where at the end of chapter one, instead of having my students write a summary of the the chapter and the big ideas, I have them to draw out what they need to carry with them so they can have it for the next chapter. So they're creating a picture guide to go along with it. No words unless they want to, like one of my students wrote, it's not fake with all kinds of little squibbles all around it, Um, but they're not required to put sentences or anything like that. They're only asked to draw what they need to carry with them to the next chapter. And I think that this is awesome for students who might not necessarily think like the same way I do. And it teaches them a way to tie into the text and begin to use those processes to visually be able to see it in their head. Um, Cause then we'll move away from the paper and then we're just talking it out of, you know, how does this look for you? What could it look like? Um, so then after you've done this own writing exercise, I want you to think about a place in your book that maybe is um, descriptive, a place in your book that you just love the scene and you wonder if you're hitting all of the elements. Then just make sure when you go back in and you're doing this, you're looking for the five senses. You're making sure that the person, whatever it is in that chapter, they're able to, as the reader is going through it, they're able to you know, hear it. They're able to see it. They're able to smell it. They're able to touch it almost because it's even if it's touching an emotion. Um, and so, you know, think of those kind of of imagery type points, and just always go back to those five senses. I know I just called out four, but go back to those five senses and see if you're painting a vivid enough picture for students so that they're able to craft out what we see as authors in our head, can they reconstruct and put together these similar images into their head? And so that's what I have a fear about as a writer Because I'm such a strong visual learner, I have a fear that, well, because I can see in these pictures, because I can see this way, this is just the way I've always read, this comes natural for me. I have a fear that when I'm crafting my work, maybe I'm not doing as good of a job as I could on the imagery department. So by me saying that and identifying that's a question mark for me, who knows, I might be better at it than I think. But just yesterday, I was talking about, you know, you've got a really good paragraph when it does this. And as soon as I said it in class, and then we started breaking down that paragraph, and we were looking at the literary devices, we were looking at the imagery specifically, and the way they were using similes and metaphors, I was going, you know what? come on like this word choice i love it the blackmail house they call it the blackmail house it just in its all caps it was it's just i love it i love everything about it and i was saying you know am i doing this same kind of analysis with my own book and the answer has been no so that's gonna be the fun part for me. I'm gonna turn this writing exercise after I continue to practice it with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. When I get to the summertime and I'm able to dive back in to my trilogy, or if I look at my Exorcist book, or um, if I finish up my cult book, I'm thinking that my cult book might turn a little serial killerish. ish um, Maybe not necessarily as much as a cult as just a serial killer. Um, I've been thinking about that later, and I've been doing a lot of research in that area, so there's a reason. I feel like God is leading me in in maybe that direction, or maybe I'm going to start a new book. I don't know, but um, I've been heavily researching that um, in the past couple of months, so maybe that's what's going to happen with that book that I kind of got stuck and scared on, chapter 11, I think it was. (laughs) But I think that this writing exercise is something I'm going to use with this big question mark about my imagery and about my literary devices, to make sure that I'm reaching the five senses. you know, this is something that's got to be you know embedded in what we do. And if it's not and I'm missing the point, I'm missing it, then I need to recognize it quickly so that way I can identify my writing and make it stronger. And as you guys know, we are a work in progress ourselves. And this is a good way to determine what your strengths are, maybe if you have some areas of improvement, and then go out and look for great models on how authors are utilizing these techniques. And I will tell you, I'm a fan of the classics, okay? So if you want to do that, you know, break it apart with Frankenstein – If you want to do that, break it apart with Dracula, break it apart, you know, continue to read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde along with me in my class and break it, continue to do this technique and break it apart. Find classical literature because oftentimes the authors are rich in their imagery. And I thought about that too. And I thought about why. Well, because they didn't have the motion picture. (laughs) They didn't have you know, the saturation of Netflix, whereas now, you know, the good and the bad, we have it all, it helps the kids to interact with text more, because as soon as they saw the juggernaut, I didn't have to go, except for like three of them who aren't um, following the comic world, we did still pull the picture up, but back in the day, there was no way, oh, we see this word, let's pull it up, and let's let's cross-reference this vocabulary term with an image. Um, now we have such a benefit of doing that. So it's teaching the students. My job is to teach the students how to activate... You know, what's available with them on the web, and then how can they help to unlock their comprehension and continue to read at a quick pace. We're doing a strategy called what I've called Quick Draw McGraw, like the Old Wild West, and I make them do paces and pull out their cell phone (laughs) and Google words as fast as they can for word replacement because Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde does have more of an advanced vocabulary. And I've hooked them into it, and I've determined, you know, giving students high expectations is going to have them rise to the occasion. And me, too. I read Dr. Jekyll with my phone because I have to because I don't know all of the words that are in there. That's why I love it so much. It challenges me to learn new words, to see how they're using these words in print. So if you want to go to your genre, like go to your best-selling novels in your genre right now and pick something contemporary and see what they're doing to build the imagery, too. You know, these are tried-and-true techniques that you can do, not just with the classics. And I'm saying I'm a fan of the classics, but you can pull up any book that's in your genre and try your hand at this, even if you're just breaking apart chapter one, chapter one of the next book, chapter one of the next book. That's why I would say... If you uh, want to practice this exercise, you can get the audio versions, you can get the audibles, you can get the YouTubes, you can go on to Gutenberg, you can to look up the classics. And you know just try to try it from different angles to see the read aloud, to see what it's like to, as a reader to hear that being spoken into you. and as the person is speaking, are you able to do the pictures as well? So I think that that's a key point, a good writing exercise for all of us and definitely for me. I can remember there's an exact moment in my work. There's, there's this piece in my work that you can just feel it. You can hear the buzz fly, the fly buzzing, I said the bus fly, the fly buzzing. You can see the stained brown bag of grease stains from a gas station of chicken in there. You can smell it, you know. You can feel the you can just feel the heat in the room. You can feel the hunger, Um, and that's a scene that's in chapter one. And I'm I'm actually proud of that scene. I'm proud of that. And now I'm wondering, you know, my book is going to print. What else did I do like that? Like. Will I have those little hooray moments? I did hit all of this in there. I was really holistically looking at the scene. So I'm gonna do a better job um, with the trilogy because I do believe that's the series that um, should be by my primary focus. So I'm gonna do a better job at that. I'm gonna really start breaking this thing apart. So I really wish you guys all the best luck with this writing exercise. Tell me what you thought of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the first chapter. Um, you might have read it years ago, but I bet you probably didn't break it down in an analysis way like this unless your teacher um, had you do so for a book report or for a literary analysis or something like that. But look for your, uh, the devices used. Look to see what they're doing. Break apart that imagery and see how then you can apply it. The same skills that you were using there. How can you apply it objectively to your own work? So not just a beta read for other people, but to to, to pull back and say, you know what, I'm going to examine my work with a microscope like this to check out the imagery. Because there are students out there in the world. That prior to this strategy, they were in my class, okay, that could not see in pictures. And now that they're seeing the connection and they're drawing and they're drawing, the more that they're practicing this strategy, the more it's connecting with their brain and they're able to say, okay, okay, look at how much I drew. I have a student who at the very beginning of the year metacognitively discussed and wrote in his journals about his weak inference and skills and his inability to be able just to see the book and really engage in books his paper yesterday just from chapter one was field and he was so proud of it he showed it to the whole class and he said I really want a lot of detail here look I even made it look like this person was almost to death and and look at how this looks and do you understand what I meant by this and yeah I wrote <laughs> it is fake all on the bottom because there's like some kind of it is not a fake and so it's like there's some kind of mystery there what's the mystery behind this y'all was so proud of that kid I'm going to just share out his work in our PLTs because he's come a long way, and I really believe that this kind of strategy with the drawing helps. Well, if we're not reading books that have clear imagery in there, they're not able to draw it. They're not able to see it. And so then that might be a reason why they're saying, well, I don't really get into that book because they're not able to form those mental pictures, those mental imagery points that are so vital for our understanding of the text and our connecting with the text so i just had to give you that success story of what i've seen with my student that i'm, I'm so proud of all of them um, they have increased tremendously this year in their academic performance in their mindset it's just been a phenomenal year um with English, but all right, that is the first bell. Guys, I had that call with the coaching, so it's 717 this morning. I got to get to work, and um, I hope you guys have a blessed day. All right, bye. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.